Welcome to the Maintaining Hope podcast. The Maintaining Hope podcast exists to look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Episode 10 of the Maintaining Hope podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and as always, I'm thrilled that you've decided to join us as we look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world. This podcast is being released on December 11th, 2020, meaning that we are two weeks away from Christmas. I hope you're excited. I hope you're enjoying this season. I hope that this is a season where you're able to really, really connect with people and enjoy the Advent season, how it's meant to be enjoyed. Now, with us being two weeks away from Christmas, I want to shift the focus of the podcast this this week and next week to focus on talking about things involving Christmas. So I will release one more podcast episode on December 17th, and then I'm actually going to step away until January 15th, when I'll be back with new episodes each Friday. This week on the podcast, I'm really excited to welcome my friend Liz Kale to the show. Liz is a faith-based counselor based out of Calgary, Alberta, and we just had a great conversation that I'm really, really excited to share with you, where we talk about Things like, how do we have an emotionally kind and healthy Christmas? How do we do New Year's well? Um, Just in light of 2020, because we know that 2020 has not been an easy year. But I hope that this conversation with Liz is something that encourages you and gives you hope. Without further ado, here's my conversation with my friend, Liz Kale. I'm really, really excited to welcome uh, my friend Liz Kale to the podcast this week. Liz, it's great to see you. How are you doing? Brian, it's actually really good to see your face. Uh, I, don't mind, I don't mind phone conversations and all that during COVID. I really like seeing people, uh, even though they're 10 hours ahead of us. So good to see you. I'm doing, I'm doing pretty good today. Like pretty, pretty good. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Liz, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I have been currently living in Calgary, Alberta. I have been here for the last 17 years, which is crazy. I moved here uh, when Canadian Bible College in Regina made the move to Alberta. And so uh, I I moved to uh, Calgary because I was a student and graduated back in, wow, 2007 from a church ministries background. Mm. Um, Yeah, so a little bit about myself too is, yeah, I was a pastor at a church, an Alliance church for seven years and worked in that same church for nine years and then moved, uh, resigned from there back in 2016. And then between then and now I have since completed my master's of counseling. So I'm currently a counseling therapist with a private practice here in Calgary. Awesome. Awesome. So Liz, when we, and when you look at the word hope from a biblical standpoint, uh, what's that mean to you? What's that look like? Hmm. You know, it's interesting, Brian, when you sent that question to me, I had a fairly like long answer to give to you today with scripture and verse and very full, like a very full answer. And this morning I woke up and I didn't feel settled in that answer. Mm. And it wasn't necessarily because it was bad theology or anything like that. But I really sensed that God was uh, speaking to me and saying, Liz, is this really what you want to communicate? I said, No. So for me, the really short to the point answer for me is biblical hope 
is it's in the name of Jesus. Mm. And why, why Jesus specifically um, is my response to what is biblical hope is because I found I grew up with this idea that hope is so just future oriented. There was such a high emphasis on the future oriented nature of it. Like yeah. one day Jesus is going to come back. Yes, that is true. I do believe in the second coming of Christ. Um, one day COVID is going to be gone, right? Hallelujah. When that happens. Amen. Um, and so amen. there's this, right. So there's this whole idea that, um, it's all about tomorrow. That's what I grew up with anyways. And so I think what that did is it helped me to remove myself from my present. And so I'm just going to push through. I'm just going to suck whatever it is up today, uh, even if it's something difficult, because I know at the end of the day, Christ is going to come back and this won't matter as much. So what that did for me is, I, yeah, as I, as I guess I just said, is I felt like very disconnected from my experiences, my story. So I find when I, when I think about hope being in the person of Jesus, I'm not just focusing on what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm focusing on how Jesus is present in the kingdom that has already come. Mm. It's not just the kingdom that is yet to come. And you, you asked me if I, if I had a verse that I was clinging to. I'll be very honest. I haven't had one verse that I've gone to over and over. Um, it's been depending on where I've been at in this yeah. whole COVID 2020 journey. Mm-hmm. Um, for an example, the very beginning, uh, one that was important to me because it became important to me after I left pastoral ministry, uh, was from Luke that said, uh, Jesus would often remove himself from the crowds and go to the lonely places to pray. Yeah. And I found that verse so meaningful, especially when the restrictions were as they were back in March and April and as they are now in Alberta, which are getting quite strict. Mm-hmm. So I found this whole idea of being physically separated from people, uh, uh, and not always by our choice, of course, uh, was this invitation to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, who did remove himself and went to those lonely places. And I think loneliness is is something many people can relate to these days. Mm-hmm. But one verse, one verse that I ha- I will say has become a fairly grounding verse for me is actually in Luke chapter twelve. I won't read the whole chapter, but it's this whole emphasis on do not worry about tomorrow. which is connected to uh, what I just said about being so focused on tomorrow, even our hope in the second coming of Christ, that we remove ourselves from the present. So uh, one of my favorite verses, I'm reading from the Passion Translation, which is a translation I've really come to love uh, this last year, is um, Jesus starts it off here in verse 22. It says, Jesus taught his disciples saying, listen to me. And I just love that phrase, listen to me. There's a lot of stuff being spoken of in 2020. And Jesus was inviting the church, listen to me, never let anxiety enter your hearts. How crazy is that, Brian, to, for Jesus to say, never let anxiety enter your hearts. Never worry about any of your needs, such as food or clothing, because your life is infinitely more than just food or the clothing you wear. And of course, he goes and talking about the birds and the lilies. So I'm just going to go down to verse 31. And it says, each and every day, he will supply your needs, not he may supply your needs. So that's, that's something I also cling to with hope is that God is, is confident and certain in his promises to us. It's not like mm-hmm. a flippant, he might come through to you today, he might not. Each and every day, he will supply your needs as you seek his kingdom passionately above all else. So verse 32 is the one I just love. So don't ever be afraid, dearest friend. Your loving father joyously gives you his kingdom realm with all its promises. Yeah. And that's a promise for today. It's not just for tomorrow. It's not just when Christ comes back, whenever that will be. Yeah. Um, I love how the enemy says, uh, do not be afraid, little flock, for that it is your father's 
uh, good pleasure is great pleasure to give you the kingdom. I also love that translation yeah. as well. So, yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. And as you shared that verse, Liz, kind of the, the thought came to mind that, you know, there's, there's proclamation there when Jesus says, listen mm-hmm. to me, but there's yeah. also an invitation, right? Of like, mm-hmm. come close, listen to me. Yeah, absolutely. That's, yeah, that's such a powerful and beautiful verse. Absolutely. Yeah. Sure so, is. Yeah. So in light of this, um, so we've looked biblically. Uh, how's that play itself out in your day-to-day life? What's that? Mm-hmm. How's that work? One of the gifts, um, and I wouldn't have called it a gift at the time, Brian, but when I left pastoral ministry four years ago, that, that to me is kind of like such a pivotal time in my life as a follower of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that time, uh, after I left pastoral ministry, I was unemployed for 11 and a half months. Yeah. Part of it was intentional. I just wasn't ready to get into work. Uh, quite yet. Um, but it was also for me, invitation is such a key word. I love that you use that just now, but for me it was the invitation to learn what it meant to really rest mm. in Jesus. Yeah. And for me, my whole life, I've heard these phrases, uh, rest in God, trust in God. And uh, yes, it is, it is the good phrases to use, but I don't know if I'd fully encounter what it was to be in uh, like an intimate relationship with Jesus. Most of my life, it's a very long convoluted start, but I will to sum it up, most of my life I would say has been very much founded on a driven performance side of Christianity. Mm. So if you're a Christian, this is how you live. If you mess up, you're not really a Christian or not a good enough Christian. And so a lot of the onus was on me to do what I could to not mess up because that could influence other people. So as a pastor, most of my relationship with God, I think was, based on I need to be in the word so that it can bless another person. I need to make sure my prayer life is the way it needs to be so that if a youth comes and asks me questions, I'm not going to lie to them and say, actually, my prayer life is struggling right now. Yeah. So I found after I left pastoral ministry, there was this space created and not an enjoyable space, Brian. It really was a very difficult space to be in, but a space that was opened up where I was stripped of so much. I didn't have a salary coming in. Mm. I, in many ways, lost the church community because I was no longer attending there. Um, yeah, I uh, eventually had to give up my license as a pastor because I wasn't practicing anymore. So there was this, this sense of like so many things being taken away by, by my choice, of course, because I, I was the one who resigned. But it was also uh, this invitation of Liz, you've been doing all the right things as a Christian a woman should quote unquote be doing, but what has been missing is this actual deep encounter with the presence of Jesus in my spirit. Mm. And so wow. when I think about, yeah, it's, and I'll, I'll go a little bit more into that when we get into the practices portion, but I think in the end, if I could sum it up, it became this invitation to be raw and to be real with my emotions. The emotional mm. piece um, has been such a confusing message over the years, I think in the church, because our emotions can be flighty. They're not always grounded in truth. Um, I might be feeling something that's true to me, but it's not necessarily grounded in, in a truth. So if I'm feeling anxious one day, is it true that God has abandoned me? And that's why I'm anxious. No, it's not true that God has abandoned me. But perhaps my anxiety is coming because I'm focusing so much on the fact that I'm not employed right now, back in when I was life, life after pastoral ministry. And so for me, it became this invitation where God said, I actually want you to pay attention to what's going on in your current reality. Rather than pushing through, 
because you need to present yourself because there's all these expectations put on you because you're a licensed worker, right? So mm-hmm. it's this invitation to breathe. Man, a lot of invitations, but that's probably the best I can sum it up. So, yeah. Yeah, and it almost kind of, it almost kind of sounds like you were in this place of almost kind of dissonance between, okay, what am I doing mm-hmm. as a Christian? Mm-hmm. When the relationship is, when the relationship is actually all about being. Oh goodness, yes. Beautiful invitations to be, right? Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting because I think, so say for example, if we're at a party, usually the first two questions we're going to ask somebody, number one, what's your name? Number two, what do you do? <laughs> right? And like, I always find that, I always think that's a really interesting, but also kind of a sad gauge of where our culture is, right? Because, you know, it's, And I mean, yeah, even for us as followers of Jesus, there's that pressure to do, 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 do. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus's invitation is to be. So did you find that you were kind of living in that dissonance over this 11 and a half months? Or like, how Mm -hmm. did you, like, how, tell me a little bit more about that over that 11 and a half months. Yeah, so um, I remember when I left, it was August the 5th, 2016. Mm. and I came out with the plan okay I had a really good cry that last day I remember that distinctly like who this is a chapter that's closing so I remember my it all came out I remember feeling the weight of saying goodbye to a local church and my plan Brian was I'm gonna take some time off and I'm gonna find a local church in maybe four weeks time yeah thinking a month off from Looking for a church is a long time, Brian. When you've been part of the church at that point for 34 years. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. If I ever was not in a Sunday service between birth and that stage of my life, it was because I was sick or on holiday somewhere. Yeah. So uh, four weeks felt like a lifetime. But I remember distinctly, I'll I'll share a few stories from this time. I remember in this time uh, checking out churches. I really don't like to say church shopping, but that is kind of what we're doing, right? Like we're trying to see what's a good fit for not just where I can serve, but I was actually switching out as where can I fit? Where can I also have people serve me in a way that's actually not selfish? It's a way that mm. I can actually talk about my needs too and not just be the one who helps meet people's needs, right? Yeah, I was yeah. looking for a place where I too could be shepherded uh, <laughs> as a shepherd myself. And so I would, uh, I would have these situations where I would walk up to a church door or, or even just be in the church parking lot and I would feel this incredible tension, not on the drive to the church, but once I got to the building where my hands would begin to shake and my heart would palpitate. And I had this overwhelming sense of fear that would just, and I would say envelop me where I was like, I can't walk into this building right now. They're going to ask me to do all of this stuff and I'm going to get lost again. Um, And there was this huge fear of getting back into the doing side of things. Mm -hmm. And I did not realize how much my body was holding on to that. Wow. Um, yeah, I hadn't, at that point, I hadn't done a lot of the hard work. Um, but I was going about, this is what you do. You wake up, <laughs> you spend time with Jesus. Um, Sundays, you're in a church building somewhere, right? And so for me, I was just, I still had that as part of my rhythms, even a month after leaving the church. And so wanted to keep doing the right, dutiful thing. But my body wasn't ready for it. And neither was my heart. And so um, so there was that dissonance of feeling like there's something wrong with me, Brian, like there's something mm. wrong with me and my faith that I am not strong enough to go back into the church. And it's not that there, I felt like the church as this whole had wounded me, 
it was just I had all of these things I had never dealt with in a healthy way yeah. that was still all contained in my body in my spirit and going to another church it sounds like the right thing to do but I would have just carried all that into the next place and so again it was this space that was created where God was saying okay it's going to feel lonely Liz you're not going to get calls uh, and texts from teenagers probably anymore I think mm-hmm. there a few did but that need to be needed isn't going to happen because I'm inviting you to need me. Wow. You've been spending so much of your energy living from this title of pastor uh, out of a sense of duty in a lot of ways. And it wasn't like that the whole time, but I would say generally that is true, um, that I was performing uh, out of this, yeah, this blend to love people. I genuinely love the church, but it came right. more from, I need to do all of these things to love them well. Mm. And it, there was such a huge dissonance is a great word, disconnect from the core of who I was. And so one way that God got my attention was actually just before I left. And I had uh, gone through a fairly strong season of burnout. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shocking. (laughs) And uh, for many different reasons. And I remember I went to uh, the wonderful Fairhaven Retreat Center in BC that I think many pastors have have become familiar with. Yeah. And I was there for like five days. And Brian, that was brutal. Like I took a month off in 2014 it was so brutal to take a month off because i felt i'm not doing what i'm supposed to be doing i'm failing the youth and my leaders and the parents and i'm a i'm another statistic there was a lot of shame with that with the burnout Mm -hmm. journey i felt like another statistic but i went there and this was about three weeks into my burnout leave and uh i had this really strong sense about four days in after i'd allowed myself to eat well to exercise to rest uh, to do some spiritual direction. It was the first time I ever did spiritual direction. Um, it was on the last night I was there. I remember looking out over the town of Vernon, which is where Fairhaven is located. And it's it's so hard to describe it because it was such a long time ago. But I suddenly, it's like, I knew I was going to go back to Calgary. And that was starting to feel fill me with some dread. It's like, Liz, it's not going to be long before you're going back to work. And I remember thinking, I'm not ready. I'm not, I'm not, uh, cleaned up enough maybe is the way I can describe that I'm not ready okay but God God that very last night I was in Vernon I met with me that's it's like this weird it's a weird way to describe it but it's almost like God wasn't no longer in my just in my heart like that good childhood theology it's like he suddenly was physically sitting beside me uh, as we were both looking out over so what me I see that it's like God's showing me I'm not just this concept Liz I'm not just this idea I am, I am the presence that you've been looking for in your life, but I've been too caught up in right thinking and right living that Mm. you've been missing me. And God in his relationship with me has, is not harsh. He's actually been very gentle. And, uh, I remember having this thought as I was looking over Vernon, Vernon suddenly transformed in my mind into the city of Calgary. And he says, Liz, you're going to go back with some of those same titles. You're still going to be a pastor. You're still going to be uh, a sister, a friend, all of these roles that you have. But the one title that I want you to hold on to, no matter where I lead you in life, is to be my daughter. Wow. That, that is the title that's going to ground you. That's the title that's going to breathe life into all of the other roles you get to have. So you're not a pastor first, even though I've, you know, through my spirit, had given you that, that gift and you still has. My, your ultimate title is to be my daughter. Yeah. Wow. That's so beautiful. Yeah, it really was. Let's yeah. say Liz was a bit of a bucket of tears that night. So oh, no it kidding. was a, a very profound moment to have with God. 
and that's just such a kind moment too, right? Mm-hmm. That you know, in your mm-hmm. in your in your burnout and your exhaustion, yeah. weariness. I mean, very and and you you know why, Brian? It's because God God loved His people and God loved people in general. But again, going back to that doing piece, I remember and I I do I do give a lot of grace to people. I think people just want to help you, right? And so I know mm-hmm. when I was experiencing those symptoms, I would have people say, "You need to do A, B, C, D, E, F, G more." all the way down to like the letter Z, right? Yeah. And what that did is it just reinforced kind of this feeling of shame of I'm not doing enough to mm-hmm. merit God's favor. Mm-hmm. And so so God was, he wasn't saying that necessarily the advice was bad advice. He was just saying that uh, you, I don't want you to go down that journey of grounding yourself in performance and duty. I yeah. want you to ground yourself in me. We're doing this together, Liz Kale. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. That's that awesome. That's awesome. So Liz, as someone who has spent, I think, a huge part of their life in, in giving ministries <clears throat> or in a giving role from your time as a pastor uh, to now counseling, how are you maintaining your hope daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly? Uh, and what are some of those practices that are working the best for you in this, uh, in this season? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Great question, Brian. I've actually really appreciated listening to your other podcasts too. Oh, it's like, oh that's such a such a good idea uh, to the person who was speaking. Um, so uh, my one of them is spiritual direction. So I have a spiritual director I see once a month, and uh, many people would know her. She's very well known in the Alliance. Um, but she and I actually began our journey four years ago. She was going to be my uh, ordination mentor as I was going to go through the ordination process with my denomination, but. Because mm-hmm. I resigned, that got shelved. And naturally, organically, our relationship turned from uh, ordination mentor mentee to the spiritual direction, director directee relationship. And for me, that has been so pivotal because even though I'm a counseling therapist, I have found personally for me and for my soul care, seeing a spiritual director has helped me pay attention to my soul, which yeah. not a lot of counselors are adept at doing, I will say. So uh, I found she has been really, uh, she has been such a gift in my life because I did not grow up in a culture, uh, both in my family and in the churches I've known, where listening was exemplified well. Mm. And I don't just mean like you listening to me right now. That's part of what I mean. But I mean that whole idea of me listening to uh, the thoughts in my head. So maybe the thoughts that I've given uh, authority over to the enemy. Um that whole idea of where am I grounding myself? She's helped me to pay attention to what's happening in my body. Like Liz, I've noticed you're, you know, you seem a little tense. Where are you feeling that right now? Because to me, the body was so disconnected, right? Like I grew up in a culture where you cover your body for modesty and don't have sex until you're getting married. So there was a lot more of that negative messaging about the body. So I will say most of my life been pretty disconnected from uh, my bodily experience. So that's been a huge gift for me too realizing that when I go out into the world, I'm taking my body with me too. Yeah. So spiritual direction definitely been one. Um, I would say I'm a huge advocate of grounding words, uh, images, and promises. And so it's something I really encourage even my own clients when they're feeling fairly emotionally dysregulated or feeling like, uh, like not all my clients are Christian, but for those who are, they're experiencing struggles in their faith and doubt. My role as a counselor isn't to get them to think correctly the way I think about God, yeah. it's helped them to pay attention to their own story. And one way I do that is to invite them to find a grounding word 
So here's an example. It's actually something good I think all of us would do well to do is I do a lot of work on the idea of God concepts, which mm -hmm. means that I might ask you, Brian, if you were a client of mine and you've given me that permission to talk about faith and Christianity um, is, okay, so over the years, how would you describe your idea of who God is? And for some, they're like, oh, God is my comfort, Liz. Uh, when I'm feeling sad, I go to the lap of Jesus, and that is where I find my comfort. I find others so struggle with that whole idea because God as Father does not sit well with them because maybe they had an abusive relationship with their dad. So coming to God as Father is actually quite scary for them. Yeah. So what we do is we don't try to make God into our image to puppet master God, but we find a word or a name for God that helps them feel safe in that space. Oh. So. For me, grounding has become very important because I would have described myself as someone who ran and avoided difficult emotions. Mm. Um, so I'm finding for me, I really love God as my shepherd because that has been such a big part of my journey is shepherding other people that yeah. God has invited me to allow him to shepherd me. So I often will say, call God my shepherd. Mm. Um, I think there's a reason there's so many different names for God in scripture, right? I think God knows who we are as humans yeah. and yeah. not everyone's going to come to God saying wonderful counselor, mighty father, right? So uh, I think it's perfectly fine for someone to call God their mother. I mean, there's beautiful verses in scripture that talk about how God is like a mother hen, right? And oh, so, right. Um, so it's finding that safety. I think God wants us to be safe in his presence too. Mm -hmm. uh, so that grounding one is huge. Um, I could go on for a long time about this. One other thing I'll say is I, I um, was invited to by a good friend to invite God to give me a grounding word for every year. And he started doing this a few years ago. And I invited him to do that this past year in 2020 before I really knew how big uh, Wuhan was going to become. So at that point in January, I mean, I knew, I knew there was some stuff happening. But the word that God gave me for 2020, which I think is amazing, is the word home. Wow. And in my mind, the word home was, I, my mind, this is how my rational mind goes, hey, so I want to figure things out, is, okay, I'm graduating in April, right? So I think home means that God is going to help me get rooted in a vocation. He's going to help me uh, move forward in whatever the new nine to five job was. So at that point, I went from pastor to student. Now I got to like, go out into the world in a different way, right? Yeah. And so my mind immediately thought about the practical side. No, no, no. <laughs> Maybe that was a, a part of it. But in the end, the word home became this invitation for, for me to find my home in God. Because mm -hmm. there is a lot of stuff happening in the world that I cannot cling to, Brian. Yeah. Um, uh, the counseling practice, I knew it would be slow, but it's been pretty slow. So even grounding myself in a salary, uh, that's not the invitation for me. Uh, and hasn't been, actually. I think that's what God was stripping me from back in. 2016 when I first left a uh, salary job but it was also this invitation of like uh, finding my grounding in him because this past summer I also had to move I was leaving a job I had during school that I just couldn't keep on because they needed more from me and I didn't want to mm -hmm. do more for them because I wanted to pursue counseling yeah so I was like Jesus this is a heavy summer COVID fully aside yeah. I have to find a new job I have to find a place to live uh, I had, I still had no idea like a week before I was supposed to move. Um, so for me, the grounding word kept reminding me because I would feel anxious, right? I definitely had fear. I definitely mm -hmm. felt anxiety in my body. I definitely wanted to give up some days for sure. But uh, that grounding word home uh, became very pivotal to remind myself that God actually knows what's next. Um, 
there's actually, I would love to read just one small scripture if that's okay with you with this, just to encourage people yeah, that uh, being in the word might not be what a lot of people want to do when they're feeling exhausted. Um, paying attention to scripture can feel like it's taking a lot of energy. But I would, I would strongly discourage avoiding the word of God in these days. Um, even if you cling to a psalm, uh, there's, there are very strong psalms of lament that I think yeah. are absolutely beautiful and fitting for the days we live in. But this whole journey of like, God, where am I going to go? I have no idea where I'm going to live in the next week or so. Um, he, he, uh, I was already in the book of Deuteronomy. I was just starting it. And it was Deuteronomy chapter one. And I think this is a beautiful passage for the days we live in too. It says, uh, Deuteronomy chapter one, verse 30. The Lord your God who is going before you, I love that he goes before us. Amen. Will fight, yeah. He will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt before your very eyes. And before your very eyes is so pivotal because I do have stories of remembrance where God did fight for me. So it's that reminder to look back on what he's done for me already. Uh, what he's done for me in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son all the way you went until you reached this place. In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God, which is true, right? There were days I was like, I don't know if you're going to come through for me, God. Uh, in spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey in fire by night and in a cloud of day by day to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. Wow. And what a beautiful passage when you have no idea. You're going to wow. be homeless the next week. And God's like, I've actually been searching out the best places for you to camp. And I'm not living outside. You can see me through Zoom. I am living in a place. So uh, thank you, Jesus, for your provision. But I really appreciated that. Um, and the last practice, there's many practices, but one of the practices is journaling. I've been doing that since I was a young girl. Um, and actually, it's pretty interesting. Uh, this passage I read in Deuteronomy, I really sense God. Uh, I, I, it's just something I had an idea in my own spirit, but uh, in my own mind, but I actually do believe it was God inviting me to do this, was to read past journal entries where I was in a place of huge, like, I have no idea what's next. Yeah. So 2016, key one, because I had no idea it was coming after, after church. Um, the other was 2009. At that point, I actually hadn't started my journey as a full-time pastor and mm -hmm. had applied for many jobs. The doors weren't opening. And so God directed me to uh, January 4th, 2009. So this is well over 11 years ago. Wow. And I was reading some verses and guess which passage it was. It was Deuteronomy chapter one, verses 30 to 33. Wow. And so it was just that like, Liz, I provided for you 11 years ago. Yeah. And I met you where you were. I'm doing the same thing again. Right. I was faithful then. I'll be faithful now. So journaling, I would call my stones of remembrance. Um, like, like those memorials the Israelites put up to remember that God was faithful. Then he'll be faithful now. So. Absolutely. Well, even in that verse too, it specifically talks about your journey I and how cool that. Is that God yeah. brought you back 11 years in your journey to remember what he had done. Mm -hmm. And uh, I just finished reading a book from John Eldridge called get your life back. And he talks about the spiritual practice of remembrance and it's, it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it's, mm -hmm. it's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Um, now there's, 2020 we're all mm -hmm. dealing with this elephant in the room called COVID-19 and uh it's a big elephant <laughs> it's a giant it, this elephant keeps getting bigger and bigger like I don't know mm -hmm. what we're feeding this elephant but it gets right yeah 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 but um how's COVID-19 impacting your hope and then how are you seeing it impact 
your clients? Like, what are you seeing in your clients in, ter- uh-huh. uh, in terms of impacted hope, hurting hope, bruised hope? Tell us a little bit about that. I'll start with my clients. It's actually quite fascinating. So uh, a number of my clients have, have a diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. Some of them are on medication for it. Mm-hmm. So when I was asking them back in like March, April, May, how are you managing? Like talking about our structure of the day, because that was a big one for a lot of people felt like they were untethered. And uh, how do you create healthy rhythms um, in, these, in these difficult days? And a few of them said to me, like, you know what, Liz, uh, because of the past work that they had already done and in our current work, like, we actually feel like, yeah, we're recognizing these are difficult days, but it's almost like we're feeling like our friends can now understand what we've already been going through because they had already been struggling with anxiety and already had it as part of their journey. So for them, they wow. felt like they were understood now by people who never really acknowledged that they had anxiety, even seasonal times, right? So for them, I think for some clients, it felt less lonely. Um, not for all of them. For some of them, they're like, yeah, now you understand. This is not an easy journey. <laughs> and so, yeah. Uh, yeah, which I thought was quite fascinating. And in some ways, they were able to provide some good tools and resources for their friends, like how to breathe well and pay attention to shallow breathing versus deep, deep breathing, um, yeah. which is very important. So, uh, and then, you know, I mean, they're, they're, uh, I'll check in about COVID, but it's not the main thing. It's not the main thing that we talk about. So. Um, yeah, so how it's impacted me, I, I, I will say that because God has over the last four years, tech, uh, particular invited me to pay attention to my emotions. Mm-hmm. I think I've paid attention to those days and they've been long days, Brian, like not like one day out of 40, yeah. uh, where I've acknowledged that my goodness, this is lament and I experienced lament before. This isn't the first time uh, I had went, I would say back in the 2016, 2017 year before I went back to school, I actually call that year my wilderness year, my mm. desert wandering year, my year of lament. Um, it doesn't make for you to be a very like sexy person, to be honest. Like uh, it's, uh, it's not uh, a topic that I find many people want to focus on. It's but not a I think, warm fuzzy, no. No. no yes, I'm so excited to be going through the season of lament where I feel sad and depressed. And but what I've what I've actually found hope and I will say joy in at times is the fact of how of uh, the verses where you see Jesus doing the same thing. He's experiencing that same thing. I shared this recently out on my social media is Someone had asked me, like, Liz, why, why did you move into the profession of counseling? Mm. And why is, how is that connected with your journey of lament and helping people uh, live their lament journey and do that and live it well? Uh, and it got me thinking about the first time that usually comes when I think of Jesus and lament is Gethsemane. And more often than not, I would just think of it that excruciating prayer of Jesus where he would say, God, if it is your will, May you remove this cup, but if not, right? Jesus was so willing to go there because of his love for us. Um, it wasn't actually that passage that jumped out to me. It was the it was when he went to his disciples who were human and had fallen asleep. Yeah. And in Jesus' deepest point of anguish, because he knew it was coming, he said, Could you not stay awake for one hour with me? And so for me, the lament journey when it connects with Jesus is that he gets it. He gets what it is to feel alone. He gets what it is to feel like no one understands him mm-hmm. or can sit with him um, in his deepest time of need. And, and so for me, there's been this blend of this has been a lonely time for many people. 
And not just because being contained to your home, some people have lost their jobs. That's hard to talk about with other people who are gainfully employed. Hey, I don't know how I'm going to make my rent. I don't know how I'm going to pay my phone bill. Um, There can be a lot of shame attached to that. You don't have your physical church building that you can gather in as easily, if at all. Um, You know, there can be the fear of gathering with people because you might get sick or you might cause someone else to get sick. That fear, you can feel it. In Calgary, I can feel fear in the air. It's unreal. Oh, like, uh, especially in the roads with, with driving, which has always been kind of an intense city for drivers. But yeah, you can definitely feel it there too. Um, so for me, it's learning to be honest about where I'm at today. But mm. learning too that I might actually be feeling the sadness. My sadness has actually come not directly because of COVID. Um, it's actually uh, come because of how it's created this tension in the world, this polarization of beliefs this attack that you can see on social media, Christian against Christian, Democrat yeah. against Republican, right? Yeah. I mean, we pay a lot of attention to the states up here in Canada. Um, and just the harshness, that tension that we can speak to other people. Yeah. And how dare you not see it from my side? Uh, so I, I, I will sometimes carry that in my body, that sadness of God, mm-hmm. the disunity that I'm experiencing and seeing. But what what I want to say, though, is that even though I might feel sad, even though I might feel disappointed, whatever it is, my truth is not grounded alone in my feelings. It's mm-hmm. grounded in the truth that God has not abandoned the world, that he is yeah. showing up. And one of my former bosses, my former boss, who the job I left in the summer, she's not a Christian. She so said to me that she thinks COVID is actually a compassionate virus, which no one I know has said that. And what she meant by that is that I've never seen such a generosity of spirit. Businesses being able to give some of their food away for free. That actually happened. There was a restaurant downtown at Calgary that uh, for anyone in need for a certain time, they were giving away some meals. Um, People's generosity of finances who are able to give to those in need. So it's easy to fixate on the things that are going wrong in the world, Brian, but there Mm -hmm. is a lot of good that is still happening because God is good and his word is good. Mm-hmm. And his word does not return empty and it is accomplishing good, even if it doesn't feel good. And that's the complexity of the pain journey. It does not feel good, but no. good is happening. So that's what grounds me. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So Liz, as we, as we sit and have this conversation, it's early December in 2020 and considering the heaviness that I think we've all experienced this year, you know, I think it's really, really easy for us to tunnel vision to, Christmas, the warm fuzzies, mm-hmm. let's get the tree up, let's get the mm-hmm. lights up. So in your opinion, what's a healthy and an emotionally kind Christmas look like to you this year? Right. I have to say, when you sent that question, I was like, oh, I really like that you said emotionally kind. Uh, man, do we need kindness in our world? Um, so a few things came to mind. Um, kind of reiterating what I just said, if you are in a place of, of sadness, uh, my, my encouragement would be to name that. Mm. And it's actually very powerful. There's a, a psychi- psychiatrist named Daniel Siegel who coined the term name it to tame it. And what he meant is that uh, we experience a whole plethora of emotions. And I'm a fervent believer that our emotions are not negative or positive. They're just our emotions. Yeah. So, uh, so often, Brian, if you, I don't know if you've experienced this, if you were feeling maybe angry one day, I may do all I can to make that anger go away because it's yeah. making me uncomfortable, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
there's this power of naming. So the importance of naming it, and you can name it through actually naming an emotion. I have this thing called a feelings will I give to all of my clients because some of them are struggling to find the word. Yeah. Uh, I know for me, after I left after church, I, I experienced so many different emotions. And one of them I kept thinking was sadness, but sadness didn't fit. It was the word disappointed. And I found that really helped me in my relationship with my spiritual director. We went down roads I don't think I would have gone if I hadn't named it. Um, and so also naming, naming that emotions, uh, it actually helps us pay attention again to the, the whole of our being that God has designed us to be. I'm not just a I'm not just a brain or a mind. I'm not just my cognitions. I am my heart. I am my body, right? God has made us these holistic beings. Mm. And so I find what that does, if I'm naming, if I'm naming, uh, just say, I'm going to actually go to sadness here. And if I'm na- feeling, uh, yeah, grief and sorrow is, is one of the feelings here. I'm feeling grief because of maybe the high numbers of people who have died or whatever is going on. Um, I find naming it doesn't allow it to have this overwhelming. It doesn't overwhelm me then. I'm not giving it this power where I'm just going to hide away for weeks on end. So, so in the, in the coming weeks, it's okay. It's that whole thing that you hear often. It's okay to not be okay. Yeah. Uh, You don't need to be fake about it because Jesus is common. Hallelujah. Jesus is good. Mm -hmm. Jesus is good. Even when you're feeling like, I won't swear in your podcast, but when you're just feeling a bit crummy. So, um, the other, the other, the other practices, uh, or not even a practices, but other ways of feeling uh, like this could be an emotionally kind is if you want to be somebody who puts up a tree and do all those normal things to normalize this year for those, especially who maybe have kids in their home, go and do that. Like if there are things that you want to do that helps normalize this season for you, that's okay. Like, I don't think that you should feel guilty because the world feels so heavy and you're spending this time celebrating. It's actually okay to find those ways to do something meaningful as a family in your community, if you can. I know there are restrictions with that, so we need to honor that. But finding ways to normalize uh, uh, Christmas, that works for you. Um, one point that I felt put here is living within my limitations. And I don't mean that from a lack of faith, but if I'm recognizing I'm in a place where I think, I think uh, like I pro- I, maybe I have a certain budget for spending, as an example. Yeah. This is a practical one. Uh, for me to help normalize Christmas, it's okay if I can't give gifts to all of my friends, if I can't afford to do that, right? Because mm-hmm. that's just going to add more stress to my body, my mind, right? So living within healthy limitations, that includes boundaries. Um, yeah, I mean, there's so many things. Uh, one one that I think a few people might know about is uh, going back to this idea that the COVID virus has has uh, ushered in some gener- a generous spirit among people. Is there a lot of pretty cool things that are happening uh, like, um, I know the Nutcracker you can watch for free. I think you still have to register for that, but there's some great things happening online. Like here in Calgary, uh, we're very well known for a famous production of A Christmas Carol. It yeah. went on for 27 years under, I think the main actor, Steve, is his first name who plays Scrooge. He's doing it for 27 years. So instead of having this full stage, they have three actors who are going to do the whole Christmas uh, Carol. And I think oh, wow. for... Anywhere from like fifteen to twenty-five dollars, which is cheaper than some of the richer seats uh, when you go to theater Calgary. Yep. You yeah. can you can purchase it and watch it online with your family or have like a watch party again within COVID restrictions. But I think that's beautiful. Get dressed up, right? And yeah. have a watch party of Christmas Carol. So so yeah, this is a time of lament, but you can find meaningful ways to gather. There's different ways that we can learn to gather and not not give into that isolation. I've never liked the phrase social isolation. It's always bothered me. Yeah. Uh, I get physical distancing, but even for me as a single woman, 
uh, I do have my family I can see in Calgary, but if I was not permitted to go into anybody's homes, that that would be pretty a pretty lonely Christmas, friend. So what are ways that I can gather with people even if I can't be in their home? So Holy Spirit, give us creativity, give us the energy and strength to not make it just about me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. And in that same breath too, you know, I think when we, when we celebrate Christmas, we can so easily look towards New Year's and, Mm -hmm. you know, New Year, new me. And, you know, in light of 2020, just with so much heaviness, disappointment, grief, all of these things that I think we've all felt to some level or another. Um, yeah. What's it look like to maintain hope while ending 2020 and going mm-hmm. into 2021 when everything is new and there's anticipation and there's joy? Walk us through ending well, but also mm. starting well. It's mm, a great question. And, and interesting because just for my take on it, I kind of emceed like December 31st. It's, it's just going to be a continuation as mm. opposed to this finite, just, you know, it's a closing, right? Yeah. Whereas normally I, I would see previous years that way. This one for me, it's like, ah, uh, look, we're just kind of, kind of going to just drop into 2021, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I know for some people it is meaningful to have that. And I actually think what's really powerful about having something like a, something meaningful for December 31st or however you uh, look back on the previous year. It's kind of like the idea of stones of remembrance that I talked about earlier. Is there a meaningful way you can look back on the last maybe 12 months, but maybe you're just thinking of the previous two or three months because that's all you can handle at that point. And, and, uh, and ask the question, what is an area, what is something in my life that surprised me? Maybe there is something in me, Brian, that I was like, I did not know I was capable of doing that. And for some people, it's doing something like baking. Like a lot of people were very big into baking and uh, doing sourdough, right? It might sound super simplistic, but I think even naming something that you did for the first time is so powerful. Some people got more into exercising, right? Just remembering that, that in spite of everything that happened this year, you are still here that you are still facing December 31st. So thank God for taking you through this. Mm -hmm. I would would recommend, I'm not going to mandate this, but I recommend not making a huge list of things you need to work on in 2021. I love the term that I've learned in in counseling, which I love and I use it often, is is hold loosely your plans. Mm -hmm. Meaning, I think it's good to make plans and goals. I really do, but hold them loosely because... Uh, even without COVID, Brian, we cannot guarantee we know what's going to happen tomorrow, right? Like going mm-hmm. back to what I read from Luke chapter 12, don't worry about tomorrow. Uh, seek first the kingdom of God. So it's this blend of thank God for where he's taken us in 2020, because he has taken us through this very difficult season. He's taken us through the wilderness, but the wilderness is still here and it will continue on in 2021 for different people on different levels. Yeah. So uh, one one other thing that maybe I can invite people to do as it's become a practice for me is as a new year goes, I don't usually make big health goals. I might be more intentional with eating more clean, that kind of stuff. But one one that has been very helpful for me because I'm not a big New Year's resolution fan is uh, what is a grounding word for the upcoming year. So for 2020, it was home. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to keep going. That's I don't think God calling me to find my home in him is just for 2020. I think that's a lifelong invitation. Back four years ago, before I left ministry, he gave me the word more. And mm-hmm. I had such a negative view of more in my story because I thought it was so focused on performance and numbers. 
yeah. the more it was the invitation to find uh, my identity in him. So mm -hmm. I became more because of finding my identity as a daughter of Christ. So, yeah. I, I, is, that, is that kind of what you're hoping for, what you were looking for in that question? Absolutely. Um, perfect. Okay. Yes, that's great. Yeah, yeah, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And yeah, it, it's interesting uh, hearing you say, talking about holding plans loosely. Uh, mm -hmm. A previous counselor of mine um, had actually said, you know what? We always want to make pen plans. Like, you know, we always want to commit in ink. It's there. It's set. It's going to happen. And he had actually said, you know what? Make pencil plans because things mm -hmm. are going to change. Yeah. Right? And yeah. in the moment, yeah. I was kind of like, what do you mean by that? But then now, even in 2020, you know, we've had so many pivots and so mm -hmm. many changes just individually, mm -hmm. collectively, that, you know, our pencils, I think, will be a lot more, our, our pen, you know, pencil is a lot more helpful than pen in this season, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and, and well, I'll say I really appreciate that. I love that image, too, is that the verse that was coming to mind is that whole idea of how um, I, have, I might have this plan or this idea, and I love that. I think it's so great that we can still dream about our mm -hmm. futures. I think that's yeah. another example of hope. Um, but as I hold that plan loosely, trust that God in his kindness, his vast resources, his vast goodness, he is goodness, will have something richer yeah. and so much more that I can ever ask, hope, or imagine. So I think that's such a beautiful mind too, is that in, our holding, in holding my plans loosely and trusting that God actually is either going to either direct me to move into that dream or he's going to actually make it into something that I could not have anticipated today. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, part, it's a partnership with God. Totally. It's it's all about union. Yeah, 100%. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Liz, what are you reading or and or listening to these days that's just been really helpful uh, and really beneficial for you uh, in your hope journey? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't just read the Bible. Um I, uh, I love to read. Uh, I will be fully honest with you. I don't know if some of you guys can relate to this. I find them reading very slowly these days. Like I might be able to read four or five pages. I'll go, oh, I'm done. Yeah. Um, so, but one, one that I actually stumbled upon uh, from a worship pastor that he recommended this. Uh, one of my favorite pastors is Jason Upton. He recommended a book called 40 Days with the Holy Spirit by Jack mm -hmm. Levison. Oh. Uh, I'm, not a, I'm actually not huge into devotionals, but I really appreciate this one because it actually was introduced to me through his Instagram page, I think like a couple weeks before Lent began. And it is a beautiful, beautiful book, Brian. I actually would love to close with one of the prayers if that's okay um, from this. Um, so yeah, Jack Levison, 40 Days of the Holy Spirit. It's called Fresh Air for Every Day. Uh, that led me to so many, so many tears. And the prayers every single day perfectly suited the news that came out about COVID. Only God, only God could have done that. Yep. Uh, the other one is Mark Buchanan, uh, Spiritual Rhythms. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read any Mark Buchanan's book, but my goodness, he has a shepherding spirit when he writes yeah. um, from his own, his own wilderness wanderings too. So he breaks spiritual rhythm down in winter, spring, summer, and fall, and just talks about the spiritual practices. So mm -hmm. uh, I would encourage everyone to read the winter chapter. I think it's quite timely, and not just because we're about to go into winter here. Uh, the music ones, uh, it's actually interesting. I, uh, I, uh, I, I like many, many people, I get really moved by music. Like it really mm. does affect my mood. Totally. So I often, if I'm cleaning, I'll listen to like loud 90s rock alternative music or punk music. I just awesome. find it's really great for cleaning. 
Awesome. Uh, yeah, it's kind of my jam, but I find there's sometimes, especially when I've been experiencing that lament, yeah. uh, whatever that looks like, uh, I've really gravitated toward elevation worship. I love their album Graves into Gardens. Yeah. Um, even if you don't listen to the music and you can't stand loud worship music, yeah. read their lyrics. Uh, mm -hmm. There is a King um, is probably my favorite on that album, which is gorgeous. Oh, actually, Eddie, I posted it and I think I cried every time I listened to that song. Uh, it's that hope that Jesus is still here in our midst. He has built laughter and his people. Totally. Um, and one last one I'll say, uh, a good Netflix option. So I love, I love, love, love music. And I love, like, I'm not going to lie. I really do enjoy gospel music. People of oh, color totally. can sing. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. But there's this great show on Netflix called Voices of Fire. There's only six episodes. But Pharrell Williams, I guess his uncle is some bishop. And his vision was to create this, this choir that was diverse. It's still, still primarily uh, a black person choir, but there's some Caucasian people and I think one Asian person. His awesome. vision is basically saying in all of this division in our context or culture, it's an American show. His vision was to create uh, the best choir in the world, I think is what his thought was, but for it to be more diverse, to mm. bring people together. And so if you like listening to music and you don't mind reality shows, this one's good because they don't cut each other apart like they yeah. would have done in American Idol, which I also used to love too back in the day but yeah voice of the fire is something i would strongly recommend to you yeah awesome awesome so liz if someone is sitting with you over a cup of coffee what's the one piece of advice you would give them in maintaining their own hope uh, advice this one's always a wrestle for me brian <laughs> um so it'll definitely depend on the person but i think the word that just came to mind was the word breathe Hmm. And breath, breath is not just about my deep breathing and paying yeah. attention to my body. Yeah. It reminds me I'm present. I'm mm -hmm. alive. It reminds mm -hmm. me, this is something I think of, especially when I'm sitting with difficult people, is I'm made in the image of God. I have breath in my body. And it helps me to look at people who are very difficult to sit with and the difficult people I'm seeing in our world right now who are oh, so much vitriol and anger out there. Is yeah. Everyone on this planet is made in the image of God. The other point with breath breathing is it's the invitation of holy spirit come hmm. and speak through my my uh disconnect my very busy mind my mind can be very busy brian so yeah. i think i think that's why if i was to give advice breathe yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. that's wonderful that's so so powerful now liz if any of our listeners want to follow along with you uh on social media uh what would be the best way for them to do that well, I mean, it's so funny because one of my least favorite things is marketing, which is probably not great for a small business. But I mean, my name I have for my personal account is Liz Aileen, L-I-Z period A-I-L-E-E-N. And the Counsley one is Liz Kale. Uh, my spell my last name, K-A-H-L-E period Counsley. So those are two. I also have a website, LizKaleCounseling.ca. Yeah, so those are, those, are, those are some ways. And some of these things that I've mentioned, I've posted on there too, especially mm -hmm. in my personal one. I don't do that, that as much in my counseling one. Um, but yeah, I focus more on things like God concepts, spiritual abuse, and trauma. And in my personal one, it's often what I've learned from my own wilderness, uh, desert yeah. wandering journey. Totally. And with that to say, Brian, because I don't want to forget to do this, may I read one last prayer from 40 Days with the Holy Spirit before you close us off? Yeah, absolutely. I was going to say, okay? yeah, I was going to say, because yeah, you mentioned that that you wanted to read that, and yes, please. And if there's anything else you want to 
share before or after that, please do. I want to make sure that you've got that window and that space. Um, Cause yeah, this has been so good. This has been so, mm. so good. Yeah. It's been good sitting with you, Brian. It's really good to connect, reconnect with people I went to Bible school with. That feels like yeah. a lifetime ago. It does. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. So great. Love where seeing God is leading uh, his people. Um, yes. Yeah, so again, this is like one excerpt from 40 days with the Holy spirit by back Jack Levinson. So he always opens up just each day with a very short, uh, like a passage of scripture, very short write-up, which I appreciate. Um, and then he ends with what he calls just breathe. And it's like mm. breath prayers, which yeah. I've loved. So he does this one from day nine called, uh, uh, yeah, I think he just called this praying or something like that. So it closes off here. Holy Spirit, I dangle my toes in a pool of piety. There's not much risk there. It's still light, joyful, and tranquil. Take me deeper into the dark desert nights, desolate days, and despair. Take me to the far side of grief, of silence, of disquiet, where I'll collapse into the goodness of God. Amen. Mm, amen. That prayer I, I really love because I think that's been the journey for many people this year is grief, silence, where are you, Jesus, where are you, spirit, um, disquiet very much I disquieted the spirit and of the mind these days. And so the last thing I would say is um, you might feel you're alone. You might feel like you um, have no idea what's going on. That's okay. There is someone who does. And I'm not saying that to be trite, like just trust God and your life will be fine. He never promised our lives would be pain-free. Not once did Jesus ever promise that. Mm -hmm. But he promised his presence. He would promise that he would be the one to sustain us. And so my invitation would be to let go of this need to control, let go of this need to have it figured out or to rationalize why all these things are happening. Let go of the need to call COVID a hoax or not, or to get down on people for wearing masks or not, and invite the spirit of God to speak his truth, not just the quote unquote truth you're seeing in the news or reading on Facebook. What is the Holy Spirit saying to the churches today? So that would be my invitation. Mm. Wow. Liz, my friend, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been so good and so rich. And uh, yeah, I just, I hope and I pray that as you, as you lead, uh, as you sit and as you be present with people, uh, may you see Jesus with you in the room as you, mm -hmm. as you serve, as you love, as you counsel. Awesome. Thank you, Brian. I appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks, Liz. Bye for now. Yeah, take care. I hope that conversation was helpful and encouraging to you in this Christmas season. One of the many things that stood out to me from that conversation was Liz's simple prayer and declaration of Holy Spirit, give us creativity. I loved that. And the reason why I loved that is this Christmas is going to be unlike anything we've ever experienced before, but God's spirit is still on the move and he still wants to move. So I hope that you are able to find creative and wonderful ways to celebrate the coming Christmas season. One of the many things that I really, really appreciate about Liz is just her authenticity. And I really, really hope that you sensed and felt her authenticity in this conversation. Have a wonderful week, everyone, and tune in next week.
as we look at how to maintain hope in an ever-changing world. Bye for now. Thank you.